top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You will die only to live again in a younger body. Then you can tell me if the operation was a success. I could easily kill you now. But I'm determined to have your brain. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. It's like living a storybook adventure beyond your wildest imagination. From the North Pole of Fantasyland comes a feature-length fable with the most enchanting characters in the whole wide world, headed by the white-whiskered fellow who's the granddaddy of them all. Now, a magic motion picture transports you to an over-the-rainbow land, past the doors of Santa's towering castle, and the strange, mysterious, all-seeing eyes into a fantastic crystal laboratory filled with weird and wonderful secrets no one has ever seen before. You'll see them all, and you'll discover how Santa can watch every child on Earth and every good or bad thing they do. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 253. Mexican Santa Claus. So we're heading to the equator here. We're heading to warmer climates and typically your Christmas movie if what you see on you know social media is any indication. You got your gremlins, you got your elf, you got your die hard, it's a wonderful life, silent night, deadly night, this black Christmas. The same crop of films keeps coming up, coming up and coming up. So we thought in the spirit of the season and being different because we like to think our podcast is a little bit different from some of the other ones out there. We're bringing you a very unique beast, G. Gordon Murray's. <laughs> K. Gordon Murray. Oh, G. Uh, G. Not, G. Not Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Gordon yeah. No, <laughs> oh my no, God, no, we're already. This has nothing to do with deep throat and water. Deep throat <laughs> <and> <laughs> G. Gordon oh. Liddy. Oh man, we're into our Christmas cheer already. But K. this is Mexican Santa Claus. Well, this. I mean, that's a colloquial name. This is. Santa Claus. And when I say Santa Claus, I mean, if you want to call it Santa Claus the movie, this is not to be confused with uh, the 1985 film with that very same name with Dudley Moore and John Lithgow, uh-huh. nor is this to be confused with uh, Tim Allen's abomination, The Santa Claus, <laughs> which I've never seen, by the way, but I consider yeah. anything Tim Allen to be in to be an abomination. Yeah, that's, is that, that was is an that awful fair? sitcom. Is yeah, yeah. Fair, One of the worst uh, sitcoms, I think, of all time uh-huh. you put together. That neighbor who looks over the fence is like, ugh, awful. The only thing that that film... Film. The only thing about movie, movie, <laughs> the movie film. The only the movie thing about film. show yeah. is, is good for, notable for, is, is Pamela for Anderson. Pamela Anderson yeah. giving yeah. America their exactly. first looks at uh, PA. Good old PA. Yeah, yeah. We, we in Canada, we we knew her. Before we now, did. Yeah. Not to the extent. I mean, from not that biblically, and, but we we knew her. Yeah, yeah. How do you know I didn't know her biblically? I'm. I think that's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> but we digress. <laughs> The, I mean, in my dreams, on your birthday. You know, that may not be much of a segue, but this this is a dreamlike movie. Mm. I'm, you know, I want to talk about about the actual uh, origins of this movie, because this is a movie that was made in Mexico by a Mexican director, uh, Rene Cordona, who uh, we know from Night of the Bloody Apes, which is a mutual favorite of ours. Oh yeah, uh, luchador wrestling apes. 
eponymous blood. You can't go wrong with that. A mad scientist uh, trying to cure this weird leukemia with a heart transplant. Well, Wonderful he's to cure fucking his own movie. Son by yeah. giving him a transplant with an ape, and I mean, this film is glorious. <laughs> all fuck. I mean, they they would actually put in uh, for the surgery scenes like real surgery footage and yeah. so on. I mean, it's a complete. Yeah, it's a clusterfuck that movie of all yeah, time. Yeah. Totally, totally. But it's so well we're seeing it. It's hilarious because the director of that pretty. I mean, it's not a horrific movie because it's so ludicrous but i mean some of the scenes are rather hard to watch mm -hmm. then made this very charming delightful christmas film and the other thing that's kind of funny is that the evil mad scientist in night of the bloody apes i forget the name of the actor but he actually plays good old jolly saint nick in this yeah. one mind you this film is somewhat horrific there's a lot of horrific moments in it i mean considering the fact that this was ostensibly made for it was made for kids i mean this is a rather surreal movie there's a lot of scenes that almost look as if they would be more in place in like a Lou Bunel film or yeah. something, or Chien and the Lou. Now, this film released in Mexico in 1959, had no domestic release whatsoever until Kay Gordon Murray, who is one of these huckster producers that we've, we love so much and we've talked about all the time. And he was also a distributor and he would often distribute a lot of these uh, Mexican films for the U.S. market. He found this movie he repackaged it a wee bit. He uh, cut out about 10 minutes. And it was shown in um, a couple handful of showings a day, Saturday afternoon matinees, as Santa Claus. Alternately, it's known as, as I said before, K. Gordon Murray Santa Claus. It's also known as Mexican Santa Claus. It's even known as Santa Claus versus the Devil. Forget about Santa Claus versus the Martians. Martians. Yeah, Santa Claus okay, yeah. versus the Devil. Now, six years ago, I rented this movie from the late lamented Suspect Video. And one of the great things about Suspect Video, um, among many great things, was they, they always had a wall. And it was a wall of rotating features. And this, the wall was something like, you know, these are the films that you will not be disappointed by. And to further encourage renters to rent these movies, because they were all quite, you know, they were all staffing. So, um, there were only $2 for rental. And one day, I uh, saw this film, Santa Claus, K. Gordon Murray, Santa Claus, grabbed it, took it home, I watched it, I was in bad movie heaven. And immediately I went on eBay and I ordered this thing. And I wanted to podcast this six years ago. And it took Before until Before you even had any designs on being being a podcaster, which is amazing. How very, like, well, incredible foresight. Well, maybe maybe I wanted to write a review of it <laughs> yeah, for yeah. long. I mean, I, I'm just saying I wanted to use it for yeah, our for purposes, yeah. but it always got shunted a year Pass a year, pass a year, pass. Finally, we're tackling. We're just gonna call it Mexican Santa Claus for the mm -hmm. entirety of this podcast, and I cannot be happier. So, first of all, Chris, I'd like to wish you a uh, very happy holidays. Mm -hmm. I would like to wish you uh, all the best uh, in the Noel season. Whatever. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. I do not see this uh, greeting being reciprocated. <laughs> oh, are likewise. You, uh, it's a one, it's, I, I'm, I'm full of Christmas cheer. No, I'm actually not. feeling. I, I see no cheer within your head. <laughs> <laughs> like cheering you as uh, No, uh, any Grinch has been banished. I have been actually indulging in a bunch of Christmas fare of your, your typical standard Christmas. Again, checked out Black Christmas, which was fun to revisit because it has like really neat uh, tolling of bells and POV killer and that. I watched Elf. I was I actually started watching It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, so I've been <laughs> diving headlong into the Christmas movie season and uh, with a plum and really enjoying this time of year and yeah so it's interesting to see a movie about Christmas that upends everything we've come to know and expect from the Saint Nicholas mythos the Santa Claus here is 
a character with whom I'm totally unfamiliar. So there's a, there's so many differences. Uh, well, first of all, okay, but let's talk about the similarities. Before we get to the differences, he's rotund, he's jolly. He's got a he's felt got red a, suit, which really smells really bad. Because uh, yeah. he never changes. Yeah. <laughs> he's, got the, he's got those uh, black buckled boots. Mm-hmm. He's got the belt. He's got the... He's got the long, flowing white beard, the mm-hmm. lo- the white locks. I mean, this is Santa. This was a this is, a, this is Santa Claus. This is this, this is, is Santa Claus. Good old Saint Nick. What is different about this Santa Claus? How is this Santa Claus? How is this night different from any other night? So, well, speak? it's he's almost vampiric in that he cannot see daylight, or else his reindeer will turn to dust. His animatronic reindeer. His animatronic weird like mall Santa reindeer. What did so I like, say to you as we're watching this movie? I said Santa's lair is, is very is quite akin to Dr. Fibes. Yeah, uh, his know. lair is uh, almost like Italian futurist art. Weird Frank- silver mm. like set design. It's fantastic. And it should be said that Santa's lair is on the moon. It's on the moon. It's not space. It's not in the North no, Pole. North Pole. He lives on a castle in space. Not a castle in the clouds. No. For those of you that are familiar with Les Miserables. <laughs> no, he lives in a well castle done, in space. And his domicile, whatever you want to call it, his workshop, this and that, you mentioned... Oh, Italian futurist art, kind of. like. Yeah, I, I thought it was more like a cross between Pee-wee's Playhouse, and that becomes very evident with some of his gadgets. A little bit of the spaceship and plan I up from outer space, and the Wizard of Oz. You mentioned that too. Oh yeah, well, any it. '60s sci-fi as well had that incredible vibe. But also, not to mention the Flower of Invisibility, which made <laughs> ma- this is wild. And the dreaming did, powder and all that. Uh, yeah, like he has dream powder to put kids to sleep, lest they be up and catch him in the. A- this sounds no, so dirty. Put, lest they be up and catch him in okay, the act of delivering presents. If. I don't know. This is indicative of where we are as society, okay? Because when this movie was made in 1959, everything as Santa did seemed innocent, sweet, and joyful. You watch this movie now, and you look at Santa as the ultimate perv. That's what it comes across <laughs> in this movie with all his Little abilities. Yeah. To, I mean, this movie takes that song. You know, he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when if you've been good or bad. Or I mean, this Santa can see everything. He has this... Unbelievable! Um, he has a surveillance state telescope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got these little gadgets that are very, very. Uh, it remind me a lot of like the old Batman series. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's check out the uh, the Dreamometer or the you know, this <laughs> or that or the Master Eye and everything. And it's it's crazy. But before we even get into that, let's talk about how the film begins because when we talk about the upending, you know, the old chestnuts, no pun intended, yeah. of uh, Christmas and Santa and so on. Who makes Santa's toys? Elves. Elves. I mean, yeah. And when people think of elves, they don't care that these elves are working slave labor 364 days a year making subsistence wages and nothing. Because <laughs> they're fucking elves. Who gives a shit about elves, right? <laughs> they're interns. <laughs> no, but it's true. in this movie, they're not elves. They're kids. Mm-hmm. God knows where these kids were taken from. Were they taken from their homes? Were they... I mean, there's no Mrs. Claus around. Were, were they like a la Miami Connection orphans? Were I they think orphans? They were all orphans because honestly, <laughs> as this movie begins, we go through this somewhat interminable and yet delightful sequence where, after meeting Santa Claus, best friends of boys and girls anywhere and everywhere, as they say in the film, they then take us through Santa's toy land, and his toys are being made under sweatshop conditions. By boys and girls of, and this is quote unquote from the film of every creed around the world, and it just and it takes us 
from Africa to Spain to England it's to a Japan, small world after to all Orient to, to Russia to France to Germany and they're all singing <laughs> these songs that are supposed to be indicative of their culture my meanwhile the only song that was recognizable was a Brit kid singing London Bridge is falling down <laughs> I didn't even see them but like for example the kids from Africa could not have been more stereotypically <laughs> Oh yeah, like, I mean they were they, like they were grass skirts and then bongo drums. They were six so old kids with spears. Yeah, and you know I mean when they when they went over to Mexico, I mean they had one girl who was about four who looked like Frida Kahlo. <laughs> I mean it was just stereotype after stereotype yeah. after stereotype. After oh, the stereotype. Italian kids were like uh, gondoliers from Venice, so they had the striped shirts. The and German the kids were all in dirndls. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it was that was wonderful. I mean, was in. And, God bless them. I mean, you say that was somewhat interminable. I would agree, but to their credit, at least they used the umbrella term of South America and the Orient, so we didn't have to go through each individual country on the on God's green earth. So they did the Brazilian kids were da- dancing a samba. This. Oh man, I was yeah, in, the I Caribbean was in kids. They had the uh, the <laughs> Orient kids, which are basically kids from India. Yet again, I am never represented. I'm not represented in. I'm barely represented in the Olympics. I'm barely represented <laughs> in the World Cup. And yet again, this movie. You personally? No, I'm, I'm talking about my nationality. My <laughs> yeah, the no. Hungarians. We're just always forgotten. But anyhow. Yeah, they're good wrestlers. Mm. And weightlifters and, okay. and gymnasts. I was going to say, I've never heard of a so, Hungarian wrestler. Gymnasts, weightlifting, well, Turkey's the same. Weight, uh, they're big on their wrestling and their weights and nothing else. You'll never hear anything about a Hungarian basketball team, Hungarian soccer team, ever. So, I don't know. Uh, but all the races, but, all the creeds are represented here. With the exception of the Hungarians. Yes. Well, they, they could have gone through everyone, but this was just they so have. funny. They should have. They took like 10 minutes. They might as well take up another 10. Well, I said to you, oh, the French kids, that, that means they're going to sing La, La Marseillaise or like wear a beret. And one was dressed like little Bo Peep. So it's like a little bit, you know, ahistoric, a little inaccuracy here and there, but what a joyful beginning. Mm-hmm. And that just really sets up what a, just a crazy flick this is. And then... The more we discover, this is why I say, I say Pee-wee's Playhouse, because he has all these very weird anthropomorphic devices. So, for example, when he wants to find out what all the kids are doing and whether they've been naughty or nice, he uses what's called the master eye. And this is a telescope that juts out into space, but if that's not enough, because whatever lens that fixes telescope, whether it's convex or concave, <laughs> I don't even know, there has to be this eye that comes out mm-hmm. on, attached to this vacuum tube with an actual eyeball that is manages to peer right in to a child's bedroom, watching him sleep, watching him dream. And if that's not enough, Santa Claus can then use his dream scope to find out what they're dreaming. Yeah, very so, Freddy Krueger-esque. Yeah. Uh, the dreamometer and the earometer or the hero-meter or whatever. This was very like Salvador Dali. Like, oh, he's got an ear attached to a satellite dish. He's got these yeah. giant set of lips <laughs> attached to the telescope. Yeah, like Rocky Horror lips attached to the, the yeah. yeah speakoscope whatever it is it's like a panopticon of uh whatever lunar surveillance it was really creepy and if it wasn't bad enough that santa was doing this it was he actually had kids that were enlisted to do this and they would say like this incantation chant before everyone like let us find every kid whether it be behind mountains or in caves and this went for every single device they used like and it was like oh my god how much more did they have to repeat like this one eye? kid hiding behind like Kilimanjaro somewhere they, just can't, they can't find you know so uh, god uh, give us strength there you know let, let my telescope be fleet of eyesight and find this kid behind the yeah, anyway it doesn't matter hey you gotta give give it up for his commitment a couple billion kids on earth yeah, well, I mean, you know, look, we got so we got the set, we got a very different Santa. 
He's got a castle in the, in the clouds, castle in the moon. He has these amazing gadgets. He has a lot of time in his hands because he's got a lot of he's got all these kids that are working in a sweatshop. So he reads each and every letter <laughs> that is sent to him. He's overjoyed when he gets his mail. Yeah, and he then sorts them, which is kind of hilarious too. He sorts it in like the good and the liars and the liars, which is weird. It's not even a dichotomy. And like then he's can... got another another um, uh, <laughs> slot. slot. Yeah. For kids that are asking for siblings, which is to be essentially sent to the stork. Oh, so wow. So this Santa has power to somewhat to create life <laughs> as well. Interesting, um, yeah. Beyond that, you mentioned Merlin. Mm. Yes. His henchman is not Mrs. Claus. It's not the elves. Again, he doesn't have uh, Rudolph because there's no. it's all animatronic reindeers. Mm. He has a blacksmith that creates this weird key of some sort which i guess oh it's a skeleton key to be able to get into any door which is weird because he well he doesn't he ostensibly go through the chimney like where does he need a magic key i know that's why i'm I'm okay (laughs) but um and then of course merlin the magician and we were laughing our asses off because (laughs) this merlin i mean of course he looks like picture merlin picture the most stereotypical depiction of merlin pointy hat conical hat stars on it beard robe matching the conical wizard's hat oh yeah but he had Iron cheek, pointed, curled. Oh, I was going to say Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. <laughs> yeah, like the curled, like, yeah, uh, magic carpet shoes. Yeah. yeah. And there's this one scene where he's making his potion and he keeps walking back and forth to get these ingredients <laughs> off these, like, bizarre large flowers. And it could have all been done in one trip. Yeah. This guy walks, like, I don't know, how do you describe his walk? It's like a, it's like a, oh, it's a lethargic, like a demented, uh, like Alzheimer's gait. Like, he just slowly, like, if you know, you know, trots across the screen. I thought, oh, good God. Like, just assemble it or just put it in a montage. Like, this movie is so crying out for montages. But anyway, that was funny. Mm-hmm. Like, wonderful set design of these floral arrangements that he has from which he derives his potion, which puts the kids to sleep and puts them into sonye in Spanish. Dreamland. Well, this, 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 but this was a, con- a contingency plan in case the kids were to wake up as he was making <laughs> his rounds. He had a couple things, a couple th- things at disposal. A curse of Merlin. He had this, this dust that would put kids right back. Yeah, like fairy dust, fairy dust. And from he, Shakespeare. Uh, he had a flower. He could smell it. it. Would make him disappear in a second. <laughs> but so you would think this Santa was totally set for a successful Christmas Eve. But he is constantly being bedeviled. Ooh. I'm not. See, that was not a pun. Yeah. Okay, I'm just trying. By the actual devil, by Lucifer himself, who every year decides to cause mischief for poor old Saint Nick. And this year, he has enlisted one of his most faithful servants, old Pitch, to destroy Christmas. Christmas will be destroyed by <laughs> Pitch. Now, I don't know, Chris. I mean, this was not my first viewing. This was your first viewing. Please, describe Pitch for our... For our well, I, I, to your credit uh, and to my debit, I asked, what the fuck is Pitch? And then you said, like, well, I certainly not Pitch Perfect. You were like, Pitch, don't you get it? Pitchfork. I was like, ah, the devil has a pit. Ah, I get it. Sideshow Bob. Yeah, it was just like, okay, that's Pitch. He is conjured up through some weird child's toy, and he emerges to try and thwart Santa at every turn. He turns these little ruffian kids into, I, I don't know, like antagonists to Santa by giving them rocks and to then they to throw at Santa. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, really odd. He tries to get this young poor child named Lupita is this young kid of poor parentage and he tries to get her to steal this doll so he's trying to get all the kids in Mexico City to be bad kids so he's the yin to 
you know, the Kris Kringle Yang. I don't know where I'm going with that, but yeah, they, every every plot device needs an antagonist, right? You know, we've 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 seen the devil, if not, or or uh, one of the minions of the devil on screen many, many, many times, and they're always rendered in very different ways. Um, sometimes they look completely human, like Robert De Niro and Angel Heart. Sometimes they're like Ooh. Tim Curry and Legend. You know, they look like the the standard uh, depiction of the devil that we see often. But this particular, I mean, he. He looked as if he was performing in a kindergarten Christmas pageant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, oh yeah, the skin tight, uh, like leotards. Leotard, red and, leotard. Yeah, he looked like one of those characters who dresses up at a sporting event to like distract the players, like one of these type guys. And he's got these ridiculous oversized ears yeah, and that were in danger of falling off. Every yeah. <laughs> second. And every time he appeared in a scene, you would get that like Windows login error message. Dunk. Which maybe they took it from. Who knows? I don't know. It's it's Genesis. But every time he appeared. Period. It was like, oh my god, and boom, boom. And he's not just a devil; he's a dancer. He is. He's not the devil. He's he's a devil. Yeah. remember that. But he's a dancer. <laughs> on dancer, on prancer, on vixen. Now, some of his moves reminded me of like that awful video game uh, Fortnite. So he was dancing around like that. And that his, game his... is under so much legal fire right now. Good. They're stealing so many dances that people, you know, from famous people. Yes. Topical reference: uh, Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. They apparently, I didn't know you could copyright a. Swishing your arms back and well, forth. Well, and the backpack kid, you know, the, that crazy backpack oh. kid with his, yeah. Oh my god, are you gonna uh, are you gonna too? floss in front of me? I don't even floss my teeth. Okay. <laughs> are you gonna breathe on? No. Okay. Yeah, it, it, his dancing was just over the top and hilarious, and he would always like appear in a puff of smoke and try and get his his minions because he's a minion too. His sub minions, his contracted out minions to thwart Santa Claus's efforts to deliver presents, and he also would do so. So. When Santa Claus was trying to get into the chimney, he would blow smoke up the chimney to thwart him. When he, he tried to get in through the, the chimney, move it. When he would they physically tried to move a chimney, <laughs> yeah, amazing. Cool. When he tried to get in through the door, he would heat the door up with fire so that Santa couldn't turn the knob. So this guy is like evil. He's he's pure evil. He's a minion of the devil. Yeah. So that's again redundant. He's evil. It's obviously. true. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is the and, ultimate good versus and, me. And it was I don't know about ultimate but yeah I, I liked his impish uh, pranks and they were, they were really fun. Well that's the whole thing. I mean you really yeah. can't take this devil seriously. He's an imp. He's He's dressed in this ridiculous Capizio uh, red <laughs> leotard with this, paint, this painted face of red and when we first meet him, he's in hell doing this crazy uh, interpretive dance. And it looks like like Dante's Inferno as rendered in the movie Staying Alive. When, yeah. uh, you know, Stallone, or no, Stallone directed that one. It was uh, Travolta trying to you know put on a stage production oh. of that. And I mean, there, there's a lot of really, really disturbing dance scenes. For example, you mentioned Lupita. Lupita being this poor girl who when you first saw her, you said, she doesn't look all that poor. She's not exactly Dickensian, is she? No. Until we see her where she lives. Yeah, and then that's what really brought in into like it had a Christmas Carol kind of vibe to it. With uh, they almost would have been like maybe warming their hands by the hearth. So they were very Is it a poor. Or a hearth? I almost thought it was a hearth. That's a hearth. Hearth. Yeah. What, what's a hearth? Like I a don't hearse? Know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, they it's were. G A. And and, and uh, as a count. Or... A counterpoint to her, you have the rich kid, and the rich kid has problems with his parents because his parents leave him alone, like Macaulay Culkin. So it's really putting together this, like, it's a good point, counterpoint of what it's like to be poor, and maybe rich people aren't necessarily happier. Poor people maybe have more joy. Is asking a lot of questions about no, but socioeconomic I, status. The thing, too, with, with the devil is, I mean, he's able to also 
hold some sway over people's dreams and what they do nocturnally and so on. And the one thing about Lupita is she wants a doll. She wants a doll so badly. Every year she asks Santa for a doll. She never gets this doll. Her mother says, perhaps you're just not asking loud enough. I don't even remember what, yeah. what the excuse was. To make her even more... Um, covetous of this doll to make her want to steal the doll to show Santa Claus that anybody can be turned the devil tries to convince her or Pitch tries to convince her to steal the doll and in doing so he implants a dream in her where this a whole bunch of dolls emerge just like Swan Lake or whatever yeah. like from, a, from a, a box and they're balleting around her is that even a verb balleting yeah well they Ballet were sashaying or balleting and this was is that was that an enticement it was because it was terrifying as hell as Fuck, yeah, man. that's like, not an enticement. There were these uh, bi-directional masks that the the dolls were wearing. So the back it had, I believe, a mustache on. It was very. They odd. had the masks had face on both sides. On the front, they looked like they were uh, cast off from the Dia de los Muertos parade, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the other side was just completely horrific. And they were dancing around poor Lupita, trying to entice her to steal a doll. Well, of course she's not going to steal a doll after that nightmare display. <laughs> no way. Oh, of course. And so, really, what this boils down to is whether, uh, by sheer will, the this uh, emissary from hell, and from Hades is what they call it, can thwart... Uh, this, you know, the, the night of good cheer and Christmas Eve and whether he was able to do that and whether the forces of good can overcome evil. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, all of this is going to come to a head on Christmas Eve, the one night of the year when that lazy bastard Santa Claus actually works. <laughs> um, and he's trying to make his rounds. Now, of course, as we're watching this movie at one point you're like hurry up Santa Claus you have no time to reconcile a kid yeah no dilly dally you, dally, only, you yeah. only have a night to do this yeah exactly this. You're, 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 this is scope creep as they say in you know, NBA programs it's like you should not be reconciling kids with their parents you have a sack of goods and you've got to deliver them none of this like emotional stuff just deliver and get in and get out Man. Santa Claus is not the fucking USPS, dude. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit more emotional, you know, tenderness involved so. I guess so. Maybe that's my Grinch heart is showing. I was, I I was, and, I, and I said to you, Chris, don't you know it's all about the time zones? And time zones it is. That's because what makes it work. Yeah. As, when this movie, by the time we see Santa with his... Uh, his trials and travails trying to... Uh, because because you would think that Pitt, knowing, you know, having some sort of power of Hades would know where Santa is at any given moment. But no, he's just sitting there on a fucking rooftop in Mexico City <laughs> waiting for Santa Claus to come, looking quite depressed, to be honest with you. <laughs> to his credit, to his credit, when Santa was planning his sojourn, his lunar sojourn, he's on the moon, he was asking, okay, which country do I visit first? And the globe is spinning. And then I said, oh, he's going to got to go to Mexico. This is a Mexican movie, right? So well, he said Mexico for less. Oh, I thought it was first. No, no, no. Really? You missed that part when they said, oh, this, when they said, oh he's already visited Oceania, Europe. <laughs> Oceania. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah, the yeah, Orient, the, the, the Far East. I the, love these generic terms. Yeah, the, the, the did, he, did he visit the Occident? <laughs> he was going. To, he was basically going to retrace Magellan's journey throughout uh, <laughs> around the Cape of Good Hope. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> the geography in this movie is a little uh, suspect. That's for sure. So yeah, this all happens during Christmas Eve, and it made me laugh so much that you were so concerned about Santa Claus <laughs> trying to like you know be able to complete his uh, his mission. I mean, his mission, but like I said, this is this is Santa Claus, and he's got to do more than just give gifts. He's got to redeem the the bad kids. He's yeah. got to give poor Lupita that doll. 
He's got to show the the rich kid that uh, there's more to life than just material things, mm-hmm. and he's got to show their parents the same. So I mean, yeah, didactic he, Santa, good for him. Santa is nothing if not didactic. Yeah. <laughs> Has there ever not been a, a didactic Santa? I guess I, I Can thought you it ever was describe like, Santa's fun-loving. Well, well he's, he's just jolly. always he's assumed jolly. that yeah. kids knew whether to be bad or good or be good for goodness' sake. Like he didn't have to tell them that, right? His parents tell them that. Like he doesn't lecture kids. This is not his job. Like the kid, the parents lecture the kids. But the, what is Santa's job? You're telling me he, his, his job earlier was not to. Yeah, okay, like, his job is to vet kids into right. the aforementioned ca- camps of liars versus the good. Which <laughs> I love that so much. And uh, and I guess uh, be a UPS for Christmas gifts. He's like a basic, uh, basically an Amazon in the North Pole. So, but not in this one. Not in this There's one. An Amazon on the moon. <laughs> Amazon women on the moon. Man. Uh, this really, yeah, this upturned so many of my expectations. It's so funny. Like, um, I don't even know if, uh, like, my my expectations for Christmas is because this is Northern Hemisphere bias. I like a Christmas that's in the snow. Like, I feel like if you're in, you know, the Southern U.S. or like South America or Mexico or whatever or Africa, you're missing out. I don't know why that is. Like, it's so stupid, but there's something about it that is so joyful when there's snowfall and there's like a foot of snow where well, we are in thing, Toronto. Well, and not when there right isn't, now. not that's, now. That's, that's one a, thing. That's it's just cold without I, any. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm having a little difficulty fully getting into the spirit of things because, yeah, it's cold outside, but I'm looking out the window right now and there's not one fleck of snow. It's, yeah. it's the grass is still green. I mean, come on. But you know what? There's a, it ain't Christmas if you have no snow. That's a lyric from a song. I can't remember which one it is. Mm. Um, it was, it's, a, it's a Tom White song, I know that for a fact. It's funny you mentioned that because I'm just going to go a little tangential for a moment here. I spent one Christmas in New Zealand. And as we were running up to that, to the actual Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, I was in Australia. And there's nothing more bizarre than walking around a mall, an outdoor mall, in December... When it's 93 degrees out, you hear Christmas carols being played, you see trees, you see decorations. People are wearing Santa Claus hats, being all festive. I said to myself, there's absolutely no way that I'm going to be able to get into the spirit in this climate, right? Well, I don't know how those those Kiwis did it, man, but on Christmas Eve, they, they put me in the spirit like I've never been in my life. Oh, well. I was walking around the streets of Queenstown, and everywhere you turned, you saw musicians you saw kids playing uh you know different types of instruments playing uh, christmas carols you had lots of carolers you had santa make his rounds throughout the streets now mind you it was a skinny santa they want their their santa in new zealand to have a a good body image right (laughs) to 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 show a healthy lifestyle yeah but he was going it wasn't like an official parade it was just santa claus in a sled being pulled by People dressed as reindeer straight out candy into the crowd, dude. It was amazing. So that's I mean, wild. When I was in Florida, when my parents took me down there, but I, I didn't feel the same way to be pulled into the Christmas spirit. I guess it's maybe the one time a year where I'm grateful that we have a bunch of ice and snow. The rest so of it, as, as soon as January one hits, I'm done, and I do not want to see like a speck of the white stuff ever again. Mm. But there's something the, the Christmas market and the east end of the city. It, it's pretty fantastic to have like German mulled wine and gingerbread. There's something about that cold and that blanket of snow that just puts me in the spirit. So this was taking me out of every sort of comfort zone I was aware of. And were you feeling uncomfortable watching? Uh, I was feeling a little, a little uncomfortable. Yeah, it was really. The devil. This might be a great time to segue into what we've learned. Sure. Why not? Uh, I learned that 
much like New Zealand, where that Chris Kringle is, you know, wants to get a six-pack uh, abs, this one here, he's working out with a workout belt to try and ensure that he's but that slim thing? enough wait, 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 wait. to get, go wait. down the chimney. This, it was is not, more... this is not a weightlifting belt. This is one of those things that you often It's like saw. a conveyor belt. Those things that you strap around your and then they jiggle your arms yeah. and stuff. Like, <laughs> does that ever <laughs> cause anybody in the history of human existence to lose a pound? I don't know. I don't even Half know if, a pound? I don't even know if infomercial king Tony Little would be able to pull that one off. I learned that so Dr. Fives' house is in full effect here, although it's not the North Pole. It's actually a crystal palace which is, I believe, a band and also a soccer team in the UK. So it's a Crystal Palace on the moon. No, I, uh, Crystal Castles is, is Cro- the band. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> uh, another thing I learned is that the father of the poor child uh, is so poor that he's actually soliciting work on Christmas Eve. That so it's was like, I was saying, there's no HR, HR manager ever who's going to interview you for a role on Christmas Eve. You know, well, good luck to him. Again, I, I, I appreciate his enterprise. Here you are trampling on what did I learn? Because I was going to say that. I mean, here you have poor Lupita in her one room home. You know, like something out of Little House in the Prairie or whatever. <laughs> and her mother's up all night trying to sew maybe a doll for her or something. And the poor father comes in. This is like the frantic Christmas Eve when you know Chris Kringle time's running out and it's about to come. It's about to. Uh, the sun's about to rise and he's going to turn to dust. Dust. <laughs> and the dad comes home. It's got to be about five in the morning, right? It's like right before um, dawn. And he says, yes, no, there was no work to be found. I'm like, who the fuck is wandering the streets on Christmas Eve looking for work? <laughs> and who the fuck is hiring on Christmas Eve? Go out during business hours and maybe you'll find a bloody job, for God's sakes, man. Oh, my God. Don't uh, unemployment shame the poor man. I mean, this is a destitute people. This is a, he's a, this is a Dickensian family. He's looking for whatever work he can Maybe it's find. different in Mexico. Maybe you can you can find work at three, uh, 3 in the morning. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, another thing I learned was, like, the because we were watching, obviously, it's a Spanish movie, and, like, Nino, Nino, Nino. And I was like, oh, my God. I was God, so fed like, up with hearing the word Nino. Like, I heard Nino one more time. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, exactly. When it comes to what did I learn, um, I learned that when things were getting desperate for poor uh, Pitch, he uh, he started, and it's, it appeared as he was going to fail yet again in thwarting old St. Nick's plans, he started getting a little bit desperate, and he started putting little hints in people's heads, like, oh, your billing is burning down, oh, there's an intruder, oh, there's this, and... An assassinino, a murderer. Is and, about. And, and when the guy's calling in the fire... This is all done through some sort of surreptitious magic or whatever. He sees no flames, but he's hypnotized by pitch, and he calls in the fire. And as he's speaking to a policeman, not a member of the fire brigade, hmm. he says, it's a fire, it's a five-alarm fire, and a bunch of flames shoot out of the receiving end. And that was pretty neat. I thought that was yeah, hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's so much fun in this movie. I mean, it really is a, a feast for the, um, for the senses. There's a lot of really, really bizarre characterization. Of Santa Claus, like nothing you've seen before. The kids, I mean, this was made in 1959, so we can't fault it too much for falling on these all these stereotypes. But it's hilarious. They they, they really didn't have to have them dressed like extras from a small world, <laughs> yeah. you know. But it was it was interesting. Yeah. And I just find this film to be. I mean, this you know we we talk about our anti-holiday movies such as you know your diehards, yeah, Bad Santa, and your, your Bad Santa's, your grandmas, yeah. even like a Night Before Christmas, whatever. Because this is so off kilter and so fast and loose and liberal with what we know about you know the established lore of Santa Claus this to me is an anti-Christmas movie that actually is a Christmas movie because it is at the end of the day all about peace and love and goodwill and joy and 
what have you. They even they even mentioned some of the uh, religious aspects, which is yeah. you know, considering it's Mexico, you know, it's not surprising. No. But I mean, it's rare that a Christmas movie does talk about the birth of Christ, which is what Chris is supposed to is purported yeah. to be celebrating. But I mean, that's another topic for another podcast <laughs> because you know, it's not. But anyway, star rating. Star rating for this one, I'm just, uh, three and three quarters. Three, maybe maybe three and a half uh, candy canes out of a full five. Little few pacing issues that could have the the jolly elf could have gotten his butt in gear a little more, but still so much joy. And then thank you so much for bringing this to my attention because again we could have gone down the the usual uh, garden path of the standard the aforementioned films, but we chose not to. And that's what makes our, our show special, like the night of Christmas in question. So continue to enjoy our podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. Have a wonderful, festive, Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you.